Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm Benjamin Light. Uh, I'm Marco Sparks. Hey, I'm Heather Hogan. Hello. Thanks for joining us, Heather. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, because we are discussing, uh, it's not a movie this time, it's Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, a play by J.K. Rowling, Jack Thorne, and John Tiffany. Mm. Controversial. But I mean, I have, it's, I I have, it's, it's really just about, by Jack Thorne, right? Technically, I mean, like they others com- uh, did the story. Rowling did the story. I'm not sure the division of labor from the other two, but I think I, I don't think Rowling actually wrote anything. I think Tiffany's just a not just a director, but he's the director. Anyways, I'm sorry. Yeah, you were saying. I have. I don't know much of the controversy about this because I I just finished it, and so I was okay. just trying to stay away. So I'm excited to hear what the controversy is about about everything. This will be fun because I read this like pretty quickly after it came out. I think Benji, you probably finished just like a week or so ago. Heather, mm-hmm. you're it's very fresh for you. Um, it'll be an interesting, like what we can, I'm like sitting here last night, like how much now do I remember <laughs> from three weeks ago? And I remember reading it and, and actually really enjoying it. But I guess that's my question. First of all, before we get into anything else, did you guys enjoy it? I did. I, I thought it was very sweet and you know, some of the stuff was in character and some of it wasn't, but, and I, I know a lot of people have compared it to fan fiction, but I thought it was a very sweet story that like made a lot of sense to me and I I really am very glad I read it I held off on reading it because I was I just feel so traumatized by so much stuff that's happened this year and I was like I cannot if some if like if Hermione Granger dies like what is the point but I'm very glad that I read it because I felt um I don't know I just thought it was really sweet it warmed my heart up a lot good uh Marco why don't you give us your opening statement um I'm all over the place, so I will try to be brief. I'm very thankful that since it involves time travel, it did not involve Albus going back in time and, like, finding out that his dad met Ginny through, like, uh, a peeping Tom incident. <laughs> and then there's, like, uh, like a date rape, you know, potential situation at the dance at the Yule Ball, which they actually talk about. I'm glad that didn't happen. Uh, I had very low expectations going in, so I came away really enjoying it. Um I enjoyed it more, I guess, on a level of some metaphors because there is not the expansive detail that you would get with uh, the one novel I read, the eight movies I saw. So I would, you know, read it, pause after each scene, try to imagine the film actors in it, try to imagine what it looked like on the stage with the actors that I've Googled pictures of, which is a kind of time travel, alternate universe, alternate destiny thing in my brain. Um, there's It's a story definitely of, there's drama, there's a lot of speeches, there's also stage directions, you know, instead of spectacle, it's... Uh, it's a thirty-dollar advertisement for what would, probably is a very worthwhile two hundred-dollar ticket, as well as a plane ticket and lodgings and food for some of us. <laughs> um, but the world building is already there, so it's very interesting to see what that's like two decades later with characters who are just as caught up on the adventures of our favorite characters as we are. Um, the fact that they're super aware of the details of the Yule Ball from Book Four, like that—that that was always intrigued me. Um, so it is a bit, it is a bit fan servicey. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I like when you see two characters who are always antagonists, like actually sitting down and talking over their shit at one point, you do get to see what like Ron and Hermione's marriage looks like. And you get to know if you were ever wondering what it's like for Albus to make out of his aunt. Um, <laughs> now you know. <laughs> uh, so in that regard, like maybe not just that regard, maybe not the kindest to Hermione of some of the original characters, the OG Harry Potter characters. But uh, 
I kind of like what goes on with Albus here, even though he's not my favorite character of the play, of, of the new characters. I mean, he's basically Temper Tantrum Harry from Goblet of Fire, which I thought was interesting. Um, I really like Scorpius. Uh, I liked his friendship. Um, I really like, want to hear what you guys think of future It's just future your Harry. opening statement, right, Marco? Yeah, it's just my opening statement. Uh, <laughs> I'm just throwing a lot of questions for you guys who are more experts to, to dig into, hopefully, at some point. But uh, also, I just I want to see more Hermione, more Rose. Sorry, take it away, somebody. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess my opinion is mixed. Like I, I joked online that it seemed like fanfic to Albus and Scorpius would have written together. Um, yes. I, 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 it's an easy thing to say, you know, like there are parts of it that didn't, they didn't feel entirely like real Harry Potter to me. Like, and I know that's, I don't know, that's kind of a pernicious thing to say, but like, it was very fan service Like to me, this felt more like, how could we make Harry Potter at play? in a manageable way and show some of our favorite Harry Potter stuff. Like here's a, here's a device to have a lot of fun. I mean, I, it seemed to me like this would be a lot of fun to watch and kind of, you know, see these various things acted out on stage. I like if, if this were book eight, I don't think it would play as well. You know, I feel like it's kind of more just a celebration of Harry Potter, the world rather than, that much of like a, a totally new story, I guess, is how it felt. Yeah, I totally, I think that's exactly it. If you go into it thinking that it's a book eight, I think you will be incredibly disappointed. Mm-hmm. But if you go into it thinking like this is a way to revisit that world on stage, I think your expectations are in a much better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like here's a device that like we get to bring back all our characters. We get to go, you know, trip through their memories. Uh, we're not really changing anything that happened in the original books. You know, it's like fun little alternate timeline, what ifs and whatnot is fun in that regard. I mean, I have some minor complaints about, you know, just nitpicky, pedantic world building stuff. But it was, I guess part of it is you're reading a script too. And you kind of have to picture like, like every time they describe time turning in the, the play, it's like, yeah, 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 time turns. But I'm sure if you're watching it, there's probably some like really cool like production right. effects and whatnot. Like that probably looks really neat when you're watching the play, but in the book or reading the script, you're just like, yeah, yeah, they, they go back in time. Right. I'm excited to hear you guys talk about um, time travel because I know that you both have feelings about, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. About, about time travel and when it's executed well and when it's not executed well. So I am excited mm-hmm. to hear you guys talk about this. All right. Well, do you want to do a top three moments here? Yeah. Uh, anyone have any honorable mentions before we get to top top three? I don't know. I wish I had took notes, taken notes while I was reading it because it's hard for me to remember some stuff. Mm. Uh, my my honorable mention, I have one, is just as I talked about, even when I talk about like PLL and like Allison, I'm always fascinated when a character has to confront their own legend and they kind right. of suffer because of it. So I kind of like seeing Draco and Harry finally getting real with each other. Um, like, it's mentioned that Astoria wanted Draco to have a child because she knew he she wasn't destined for old age. And I love that line. It's exceptionally lonely being Draco Malfoy. Mm. Um, which I'm glad that it's a line that he only would ever tell like his worst enemy, you know? Like I'm glad right. that's not like it's not on his Tinder profile or something. <laughs> which, you know, other guys it would be. It might um, be. We don't it, know. <laughs> he is Draco. <laughs> Wait till my father hears about these dates. Yeah. Um, so that's my number four. 
Uh, let's see. I'll do mine number three. I, I did, did like, and I think you're kind of talking about the same thing, just Harry and Draco in general kind of burying the hatchet a little, and, you know, talk about they, they gave their children what they what they needed themselves and didn't mm-hmm. work out. Like, I don't know. It was a fun little scene. Um, my, my third favorite moment is in the, I think it's the third alternate reality where they're in the whomping willow and Hermione just says, I love you, Ron, and I always have. Like, whatever. It just sums up, like, seven books of angst. Like, that (laughs) one line. And I remember just being in Harry Potter fandom when the books were coming out. And, you know, there was so much debate about whether or not Ron and Hermione were going to be together and how they really felt about each other. So to have her just sort of succinctly say, like, I love you and I always have, it just, like, sums up all of that stuff in just, like, one sentence. And I thought it was a really... uh, hilarious and clever thing to say those must have been some insane chiffer wars oh god they were they were the worst they were so bad because i i could definitely see how people could take opposing sides in that yeah i mean i read the, all the books at once after they were published but yeah that must have been something especially yeah. when uh when jk rowling then kind of undermines one side with maybe <laughs> yeah. this was a mistake <laughs> and the other thing about that is that it's instead of you know you're not dealing with like 42 minute episodes of television it's like thousands and thousands of pages of mm. yeah. really deep mythology for people to dig into so yeah and the forums that i visited they were called the chamber of secrets forums there was like a forum completely dedicated to shipping and then a forum completely dedicated to like talking about the books and there was no crossover allowed like you weren't allowed <laughs> to bring your shipping stuff from one to the other <laughs> that's a magical spell to keep it out um yes yes Related, my number three is actually, again, Alba's kissing Hermione. Um, <laughs> as as Hermione suggests to Ron, because she thinks she's kissing Ron, uh, either another baby, a vacation, rather <laughs> than the two of them taking a marital break. Um, right before we discovered that Hermione needs a better magical bookshelf security system. <laughs> but I was like, this is so weird. First of all, the characters are pre- pre- pretending to be our three beloved characters from the other stories. And then he's kissing his aunt. I was just like, this is bonkers. I love it. It's so I mean, strange. I was, I was go- at that part of the story, I was like, I mean, they're related, right? Like, they're related. <laughs> <laughs> so I was glad when Scorpius was like, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just glad that they got into all the, like, the problematic and uh, questionable things that could happen with Polyjuice Potion. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see. So my number two was when Harry impersonated Voldemort. Uh, I just liked how Harry played him. Like, it, I feel like that felt more Harry than anything else in the in the play, in a way, to me. Like, I feel like he, Harry, like, actually cut loose and had some fun there. I just love that he that that she had an opportunity, or they had an opportunity for that to happen. I think that's so interesting to put him in the the shoes. Mm-hmm. Of this. Like, I liked how he could understand the uh, parcel tongue, and then he like he blew it off, like you know as He's like very haughty and like dismissive. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't enough proof for him. Like it was a nice uh, turnaround on her. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Um, my number two favorite moment was Hermione's bookshelves because I thought it, w- it makes perfect sense that Hermione would hide something in a bookshelf. It also is like a beautiful throwback to the sort of like the end of the first book where Hermione's the only one that can solve like the reason problems. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's interesting that she would still at that time be thinking the thing that would keep her safe isn't her magic, but her like ability to be super rational and logical. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really fun, like 
it was actually one of the best action sequences. And I was imagining what it would look like on stage. And I thought it would be really magical. So yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, my number two is the Age of Apocalypse Darkest Timeline Mirrorverse, where they <laughs> celebrate Voldemort Day because Cedric killed Neville. Scorpius <laughs> is super popular. Hermione is the most wanted badass rebel leader of all time. Ron still doesn't matter. And Snape actually gets to hear from someone like that he does matter and that his in like, deep down depth of goodness is actually worth something appreciated you know it's not like he died gave up a memory and then everyone was like oh hey snape was a good guy we should go tell him that we realize he's a good guy and he's like dead so <laughs> uh, but at the same time i was like oh that's nice that they had this kind of somewhat fan servicey moment for snape who's a character only in this one scene <laughs> hey, here's yeah. a slightly unrelated question um did snape get a portrait after he died did he get a headmaster portrait no. I, good question. I think I think so. I think okay. that I think J.K. Rowling said yes to that after the mm-hmm. last. I think she said that in, in a okay. interview. There should be just like an ebook of her, like Pottermore proclamations. After. Yeah. Um, I could just imagine people like running past the the porch, and he's like, "You need to walk." <laughs> run. Oh my god! I forgot how good you do his Snape impersonation. <laughs> Oh, I would love to hear that that I portrait. Just, I just wonder what would happen if, like, Harry, like, could Harry have a heart to heart with the Snape portrait, or because Snape died the way he died, would he have not? Like, I don't, I don't know how those portraits work, you know? Yeah. And the the book makes it even more confusing as oh. to how it works. I think does it? I mean, the play does a little okay. bit. It definitely points out to me that there is ambiguity in the. Essence of the person left behind. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I think uh, Heather, you're number two. Uh oh! I said my number two was the bookshelves. Oh, okay. I guess it's my number two. Oh wait, no, number my number one. one. Yeah. Sorry, totally out of sorts here. Uh, just thinking about Snape. Uh, because my number <laughs> one is Snape. Uh, Snape, uh, him taking Scorpius to what's left of Dumbledore's army. I uh, just like that moment. It was very much like Days of Future Past, like X-Men Age of Apocalypse vibe, which I've always liked. I always like it when you're in that alternate reality where everything's super desperate. And it, because it's an alternate reality, like you can kind of like go crazy and you can like have main characters die and like all that. You know, it's like, uh, was it The Wish on Buffy, the, uh, the episode where... I think I'm a little like, gay. Yeah, the yeah. alternate... <laughs> Alternate Willow and Xander are vampires and they die and everyone's dying. Like I always like the little, you know, storytelling devices like that where you can just go nuts and you're not really restrained by anything. So it's a, everything's big and bold and like final. Question. Would it have been better if Snape had a had a goatee and if Ron was attempting to grow a goatee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like the ultimate Snape Ron like dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> Every manly thing that Snape can do. Ron like fails at it. His name's just like, you're not pulling it off. <laughs> and Ron's like, bloody hell. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Um, my number one thing is I just love Albus and Scorpius. And I think that they have in all of the Harry Potter relationships, I think they have the most healthy 
relationship out of <laughs> any of the characters in the Harry Potter books. And it's interesting because Jack Thorne um, is my writer of my all-time favorite episode of TV, which is an episode of Skins around based around my char- the characters Naomi and Emily. <laughs> and he's great at dialogue and he's great about writing about feelings. And the way that Albus and Scorpius talk to each other, like the way that they open up and talk about their feelings and their insecurities and the things that they're afraid of. And even every time that they hug and they're like, is this what we do? Do we hug? I'm like, God, like there would not have been a need for seven Harry Potter books if Harry, Rod, and Hermione had been able to like talk about their feelings in the way that these two men can, like young men can talk about their feelings. So I just loved their dynamic and I thought it, it was just very sweet and very real and uh, it just made me really happy. Uh, you made me look up IMDb and now I realize he probably wrote one of my favorite episodes, Skins 2, which is I think the first Effie episode. He did write the first Effie episode. Nice. That's the one where... Yeah. Sometimes I think I was born backwards. Anyway, yep, that's, that's, that's <laughs> uh, my number one is, well, I would say it's a series that's definitely gone to some dark places. It's definitely hinted the complexity and the darkness it hasn't explored. But I loved Harry addressing the paint and memory of Dumbledore and mm-hmm. like maybe finally saying some of the things to him that he always wanted to say right. or was afraid to say even to the portrait until now about, you know, leaving him alone with the Dursleys, you know, protecting himself more than like coming to care for Harry at times. Um, especially as he's building those same resentments and insecurities into his son. I, I just thought that was a really interesting scene. And like of the like publicity photos they've released, there's that one of the guy uh, who plays Harry, like kind of like, you know, I squeeze shut having a moment in the background. You can see the painting of Dumbledore, like in anguish. And so I was like, really like kind of Google searching, going back to that picture while reading some of those, those scenes. I thought it was really interesting. When Harry said to Dumbledore, like, you didn't have a son, you can't know what it's like, um, I thought that was probably the coolest thing he ever said in any of the books ever. Um, but I was but saying, also, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was saying it's, it's kind of the interesting reverse to, I wish sometimes wish you weren't my son. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it, yes. I sometimes wish you weren't my proxy dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, those are the top three. Uh, any complaints? Uh, I, I don't I, I actually think that um, it I th- I'm like one of those people who believes like when you're in an alternate timeline that the characters aren't beholden to the characteristics that you've given them in the main timeline mm-hmm. so I, the people that I have seen sort of complaining about people being out of character in alternate timelines I'm like well yeah I mean it does make perfect sense my only thing is and I, I know this is kind of silly but like I just don't think that Hermione without Ron would have become like this shrill. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like this uh, sort of like, I, I do, I do firmly believe that people in your life, if you're super, like, I get it. Cause I'm like super serious too. Like if you're super serious and you're really driven, like people who help you have perspective and help you laugh, they do make your world a different place, but not to the point where you're going to become this, like just complete dick. Like I think right. that that's a really out of character for Hermione. That's probably, to the point where she has like a flask in her desk drawer, I'm sure. Like, yeah, it was it was yeah. it was a really dark version of Hermione. And like the counter is that like Ron combs his hair. Oh God, damn you, <laughs> like, Padma. His 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 pants are a little wrinkled. Like, come on. Yeah. On well, yeah, there was not enough. There needed to have been like several other major events happening to Hermione to result in a character like that. 
Yeah, like maybe she never was able to rescue her parents after she wiped their memories. Like there had to be other things that made her go like darkest timeline Hermione besides mm-hmm. just losing Ron. I think whenever you have, like you said, it's an alternate timeline. You're not beholden to the original character. But I think you should be like, if you do it right, your audience should be able to immediately trace back to, yeah, exactly. oh, this is the thing that was different. You know, right. especially if you're saying – uh, the two the two rivers you know break off or whatever from this point uh, right i could see her being still single and kind of sure. regretful maybe but not like just like mean and cruel yeah i thought wouldn't this be an interesting time to like have a timeline where she's like married to harry oh yeah <laughs> you know like really like really like go into the heart of that shipper civil war I mean, I actually think that's interesting because I was, I'm, I've always been like a very, and this is really weird for me, but I've been like a really ca- canon shipper for Harry Potter. Like I was always very much Jenny and Harry and Ron and Hermione, mm. but there is a moment in that, in the last book where it's just Hermione and Harry and they're in the woods and Ron has like left and she like ruffles his hair when she's going into the tent. And there's like this moment mm-hmm. that they share. It's the only time in the books where I was like, if Ron never came back, like I can actually find, I can actually really see them together. Mm. So I do think it would have been interesting to like, well, what what would that have been like? Because because Albus would have already, Albus wasn't even in that timeline anymore, right? When in that time, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think he was. I think the only one he's Albus not was present not is the in the the Voldemort one. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Right. The final one. If they could have found a way to do an alternate timeline where Ron never came back, that would have been neat. Right. Like after he leaves in uh, Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Right. I, I thought it was interesting when they come to the first timeline where they clearly identified that something has changed. The two boys, like their first inclination is not, oh shit, we need to fix this. Right. Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> which, yeah. which kind of goes back to, I can't remember their name, but the, oh, I, so much of the, the series is falling away from me, but like the werewolf guy in Tonks. And it's like their child, their, or, oh, right. yeah. their yeah. orphaned yeah. child. But yeah. like, I'm sure they know that person and how sad they are because they have no parents. Like <laughs> they don't think about any of the other, like, like or like my uncle, uh, uh, is it George or Fred? My, my, uh, my deceased uncle. Like I should Fred, go yeah. do something about that. I, I, I always found that just massively interesting but uh back to what you're saying about that moment in book seven heather did you ever like want to envision that as like a really long harry and hermione slow dance (laughs) (laughs) when you were reading the book gosh gosh what would make you ask that uh i no i do i do think that scene translated well in the movie like i I know there people are so still to this day like so like torn out of the frame about like their ships of harry potter but i get it like i do understand I think the thing is beautiful is that, like, in fantasy books, Harry would get hurt. Like, in most fantasy books, Harry would win the prize of Hermione, basically, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So I do think it's a nice subversion for Ron. Although, as I say every time we talk about anything, I don't think anyone really deserves Hermione. Yeah, <laughs> true. Very true. Well, well especially I mean, not Ron in this. He's, like, he was drunk at his wedding. He doesn't remember it. Oh, Ron, yeah. come on. Oh, total Ron move. There's there's people out there who are like that's not so terrible. <laughs> They're still great together. Hashtag Spoby. They're great. Yeah. Well, like she's the minister for magic, and he's just like this kind of shiftless layabout. Like he I'm not is. sure if he has a job or not. 
he is a scandal waiting to happen. He is uh what's his name? He's Prince he's Charles. Fucking, he's fucking Andrew from Veep, is what he is. Oh man, Andrew. He's just like trying to get money yeah. from his kids. <laughs> All right. Well that one of my this is pedantic, but one of my complaints is that the time travel on display is different from the time travel rules that we got in Azkaban. I, I'm not opposed to this type of time travel, but the, 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 you can materially affect the timeline is different from what we got in Azkaban where it was like everything they went back in time to do, they'd already done, which is why it was just like a loop, you know? Mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out. I I realized there's some exposition trying to tell me that this time Turner was somehow different than the time Turner Hermione had, but I still can't work out how, like how, who made it? Why did they make it? I, I still don't understand it. So there was, there was some hand wavy stuff about how if you go back more than five hours, all bets are off or, you know, something. So maybe right. you, and, and you get like 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah. You get like, yeah. And so it's, it's some nefarious, like, WMD weaponized time travel <laughs> bomb maker guy who's like kind of working like under the auspices like the Malfoy terror industry or whatever. <laughs> um, it's like it's like the the prototype time turner for like the real one that that, that Malfoy had the whole time. Yeah, the Malfoy had the whole time. Um, yeah, I it, what bothered me I thought most was. I enjoyed the darkest, like I said, the darkest Voldemort day timeline and all that. That was interesting to me just to see that. But would Scorpius, shouldn't there be two of him then? Like he's like fallen into the life of his other self, but like without the memories of his other self. I guess it was kind of like the Back to the Future type thing where like suddenly Marty's like in the new timeline. Yeah, it doesn't operate by those rules. And he doesn't like remember the, the memories that he should have as the person in this timeline now. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A little wonky. Uh, my other complaint, um, Voldemort having a baby with Bellatrix. Oh, come on. It's just, I, I can't, I can't like, I, I, I kind of like Delphine as a character, but I just keep thinking like, well, how did they have sex? And that's just oh, like oh, that's that's fan fiction waiting to happen. It's I just, mean, there's just like no way that Voldemort has sex. There is absolutely no way that that guy has uh, sex. Like, oh, so, I was gonna say, from what I understood of, of hours of debates that we've had on on this podcast, either the three of us or Benji and I, <laughs> Voldemort's thing is he just doesn't believe in love, right? Yeah, right. So that doesn't mean he loves Bellatrix. He probably doesn't even look her in the eye as they're doing it. But I'm just saying, there's like a Fifty Shades of like dark magic fuck party fan fiction uh, <laughs> happening here. I just I mean, can't I, see it. <laughs> I just, I guess, I think of Dumbledore. I mean, I'm sorry, Voldemort. I won't say that; it'll get me into trouble. I, okay. I just, uh, <laughs> I just don't think of Voldemort as like a guy who's going to have sex. But you're right that the idea of Voldemort preserving his like lineage or whatever does make sense because he's so fucking obsessed with his legacy. Right. And it does make sense that he would have chosen Bellatrix, but, like, come on. Well, you, you definitely get the sense in the books that maybe Bellatrix would be into it, but oh, oh, yeah. definitely not the other way around. Like, it's just hard to imagine Voldemort being like, all right, fine, let's oh, do I this. Bellatrix was for sure in love <laughs> with Voldemort, yeah. yeah. I mean... 
I could envision ways that he would make it happen, but none of them are healthy. <laughs> They're all demeaning. Turkey yeah, baster. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say paper bags. Sure. Probably some weird transmogrification. The snake is involved somehow. When you say paper bags, are you making an Ezria reference? (laughs) (laughs) He's feeding her desserts. I have this great chickpeas spell. (laughs) He sends her out for chickpeas, even though he has some in the cabinet. Yeah. What if if he like transfigured her head to be like his head or something? Oh, yeah. Oh, then he's ready to go. That's it. You're right. I think you've cracked the code. Yeah. Because I think Wonderful. he would really like to have like just a clone, yeah. maybe like yeah, a little, yeah. little Voldemort. Yeah. But then how do you how do you not get fearful that your clone would try to like usurp you? You know what I mean? Well, That's if, true. If Bellatrix was pregnant during Deathly Hallows, then does that mean that Hermione would have been temporarily pregnant when she used Polyjuice Potion to transform into Bellatrix? <gasps> and, and and what would happen if you? transfigured into someone else and then gave birth immediately like I, i've always wondered about stuff like that. i'm just saying if you if you're with child maybe don't jump into like strange toilets yeah, yeah. that's not yeah. healthy for you or the baby i'm just saying i'm just saying yeah <laughs> mm. yeah this is going to keep people up all night <laughs> <laughs> i know i won't sleep tonight yeah. well let's see uh, i know we tweeted a little about this let me take a look and see we already talked a little bit about Hermione's characterization. This is from Anthro Chick. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll be honest. I was not a huge fan of any of the older characters characterizations, mostly because they didn't seem older to me. Um, like Hermione, Ron and Harry, they kind of still seemed like they were like 18 years old to me. I don't know if you guys felt the same way or not. A little bit. Yeah. And I also think like, I just feel like poor Ginny. Mm-hmm. She still kind of felt irrelevant in Harry's life <laughs> in this book, you know? And I just, I, she, like, Ginny deserves better. <laughs> and, mm. I, and I really love book Ginny. I think book Ginny's great. But I, th- I thought this characterization was, like, um, a reversion to, like, maybe, like, book four Ginny. And I thought, I just felt, like, bad for her. She didn't feel fully realized, and she didn't feel like she had a lot of say-so and what was going on, and... Um, I've always felt kind of bad for Jenny, but I felt especially bad for her in this book because she's such a badass. Like at the, at, toward the end of the series in book five, six, and seven, like she be, she really comes into her own and she's has so much agency and so much power and she stands on her own and that's the reason that Harry's drawn to her. So I know she's not the main character, but I still felt kind of. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Like I just looked at my power rankings and she's not in there because I forgot she was in this. So <laughs> that's <laughs> yes, not good because exactly. I really like book Jenny too. Book Jenny's great. She's she's got to actually ask him like how are your dreams doing? She's got to like leave the kitchen while Draco and Harry had this like magical slap fight that fucks up the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, they really made her into like the housewife, unfortunately. Right. It's like I the Romanian king of queens or something. Yeah. yeah, the the only thing missing is for Harry to be like, "Oh, my job, I got to go back in time and blah blah blah." And she'd be like, "Be careful, Harry," you know. <laughs> that would yeah. be the worst, but yeah. Uh, let's see. I like that Hermione kept her own name. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I didn't like was her getting all up in, uh, her and Harry getting up in McGonagall's face. Yeah. I mean, come on. I don't want to hear them call her Minerva ever again. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, Hermione, but that is just too far, even for you. 
I don't think she would. No, no, I don't think so. Oh, absolutely not. The way that Harry talks to McGonagall when he's like, I will bring the full force of ministry. You'll do what I say. Like, mm-hmm. I was, I really like book five Harry. I know it's like everybody hates book five Harry. Like, I like surly Harry, but like, back off McGonagall, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, Harry, top magic cop. Can't even keep his desk clean. The minister right. well, has to read come his down. Files, yeah. yeah, the minister has to come down and be like, "What? What the fuck is this mess? <laughs> what? What is this? You know." Also, like, I have nothing better to do to come down and police your right. desk. Right, right. I just uh, wonder if psychologically Harry would ever get to a place where he would actually think he could like yell at McGonagall. Like, I don't no know. Way. Something about an authority figure like that, even when you grow up, I just don't think he would do that. No, I don't either. Um, let's I mean, see. same guy who like turns his son's life into like a surveillance state. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you could say that was like alternate Harry at that point, kind of, wasn't it? Maybe. Like one of the alternate Harrys. I guess that's true. I guess that would be first timeline alternate Harry. Mm-hmm. So we got from a few people, including Andrew and Tim and Jill and lots of people whose names I'm probably mentioning. Just a lot of uh, Albus and Scorpius, why weren't they gay question. Uh, what if you guys I have mean, any thoughts on that? They are gay. Like they, those two dudes are so in love with each other. Um, actually, this is funny. Like I, I actually, it actually bothers me that we don't have more straight male intimate friendships like in books and TV shows because it's like a mm-hmm. real thing. And I think that when we – either have to sexualize it or we're like no homo they can't touch each other like yeah. i think it's a it's a real disservice to like men who do have these intimate relationships and i think it sort of forces toxic masculinity onto that kind of thing so on the one hand i really do i really do appreciate such a strong connection because it's not something that you really see in a lot of shows or movies or books but on the other hand i do think again because there's so little great representation for um male characters and especially in a series like harry potter i do understand the impulse to be like uh they're super in love especially because they again they're so much more aware of their emotions and they're so much mm-hmm. more able to like talk about their feelings in a way i think that when you think about these two guys and you listen to the way they talk to each other and then you compare it to the way the trio talk to each other in the books they do seem very in love because they're actually able to talk about things and articulate their feelings in the way that the others weren't able to do mm-hmm. so i get it i get both sides of it I do think they have a really beautiful friendship. I, I think for some people, your first romance is your first friendship. You know, Absolutely. especially if you've got like a shitty dad yeah. who like idolizes your like older jock brother who's just <laughs> like him. Um, and it's like it's like slightly different even than like Harry and Ron in the first you know for me first movie just because Ron was like, "Holy, I'm this doofus. I'm going to be your buddy. We're buddies now. We're buddies for life. You know, I'm stuck with you. You know." And it's like. Scorpius and Albus, like they they fit perfectly together. But I mean, even at times, yeah, I was reading it and I was just thinking, like, well, if they weren't like teenagers, if they weren't like so connected with their emotions, I would think, ah, oh, these guys are in love. Good for them. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, my thought was like, I don't like for male teenagers, I don't think it, it read to me more as a romance. It was like, I don't think male teenagers would be this sophisticated about their feelings of friendship. At this right. age, like it feels more like a romantic longing than like, wow, they're just like really like in touch with like their their you know friendly relationship with each other. 
Um, I I think the stage direction actually makes it seem more like the the dialogue is really mm-hmm. great, but I also think the stage direction makes it feel even more romantic. Like that scene where they're on the stairs and they're like look like I wish I had yearning to look for in front each of other. They're yeah. like yeah, yeah. They're like longing for each other and like their li- the, their life as they know it is over. Like the way that that stage direction is written is just super romantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I've had a lot of. I've been lucky enough. To, I've been blessed on a lot of good friendships in my life, close friendships. I've only ever longed for like a nap, a cheeseburger, or like somebody I actually have romantic feelings for. So, yeah, I think I think that was a trigger word for me to like perceive them a certain way. I, I thought this. I mean, the stage directions really remind you that it's a play and not a book because I. It's probably only the one time, but I felt like several times we were told there's real emotion in the room. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's yeah. real emotion in this room, and I was like, oh shit! Oh, I didn't pick shit. up on that from the dialogue. <laughs> I was waiting for like Jack Thorne to be like, you could cut the attention with a magical knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean the whole thing with was it Rose at the end who I think Scorpius ass out and I don't know that I, that to me felt like a little tacked on. Like yeah. it's like oh hey he's still into girls. It's like is he? I think that the Rose thing for me was like I think one of those two guys and obviously had to be Scorpius, had to have feelings for Rose because when she disappeared, Albus did not give a shit. She was gone from the timeline and he he was just like, "Eh," you know? So I think it had to be, like, you know, Scorpius was like, Rose is missing Rose. And I think there was, I think it almost needed that for somebody to care that she was, like, missing. It's like, you know? Um, So I, I didn't seem too, it didn't seem too, invasive like it wasn't like it wasn't like the main thread of anybody's like emotional journey on the mm. story but at the end i was like whatever <laughs> yeah well i thought it was interesting because like from the get-go i felt personally programmed to like rose because a she's hermione's daughter sure. b i'm told that she looks just like young hermione and then immediately she's just like we are friends for appearances sake <laughs> <laughs> once the parents are out of sight i don't even want to fucking know you you know i was like damn and she's amazing because she's like she's going to be the best of all the trio. Like she's going to yeah. be the best academically. She's going to be the best at Quidditch. She's going to like as, like succeed in ways that the other like the trio needed each other to like form a complete unit. Like Rose is just going to be that by herself. And yeah, I really, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So speaking of the trios, I mean, I kind of like the character, but I mean, Delphine was like evil from get go, right? Like oh, she, yeah, right? she stood out like a yeah like a lighthouse in the dark. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of like the visual of her like appearing to him through the the things in the stairs. I thought that was interesting, but I don't know. I, I wanted to like not see it so blatantly. <laughs> I wanted it to be a little bit more of a surprise or something. But I mean, once you had the Chekhov's gun of Voldemort offspring. You're just waiting for it. Yeah. On the mantle there. Yeah. It's like, well, obviously it's going to have to be this, you know, air quotes, Cedric Diggory's cousin. Well, right. I think especially with. Delphi, like not being able to see the performance, I think does make a big difference. Like we can kind of imagine like the movie actors and, you know, we kind of know how they might react and whatnot, but this is a brand new character. So it's kind of harder to picture. Yeah. Uh, I just kept like trying to Google, like, what does this actress yeah. look like? Yeah. She like, yeah, it's, it's like such a forecast. Like as soon as you're like, there's a dark cloud around your sun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. Yeah. It's obviously not Scorpius. He's sweet as shit. Yeah. Oh man, the sweetest. I get for me, 
the biggest surprise of this book was that I found a character that I like more than Neville, and it is Scorpius. I love that little guy. He is a, he's so sweet. He's like Steven Universe, but in a Harry Potter book. It's a good thing that Hermione's parents are muggle dentists because you're going to need it after the toothache Scorpius <laughs> gives you. Oh, he's so sweet. Maybe yeah. Harry and Draco should have just traded. Like Albus <laughs> goes to Draco. <laughs> oh, I thought, okay, yeah. At first I'm thinking like, what, magical wife swap? That's gross. <laughs> um, how many times did the uh, pained visage of Robert Pattinson flash through your brains <laughs> while you that, were reading this? That poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we did have one question uh, from Andrew. Have any of us read the My Immortal fanfic? Um, I have not. I don't know if you've read that, Heather. I haven't. I didn't. I think this is like a post uh, book seven fanfic, and I haven't read any fanfic this after book seven. But I think it's like the like it's the go to post book seven fanfiction. Okay. So hmm. I have a hard and fast rule: if it's based on an Evanescence song um, <laughs> or uses an Evanescence song title, I just yeah you have to you have to point a wand at me and force me into it. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's like sixty percent of all fanfiction across fandoms Ooh. is like an Evanescence song. <laughs> Just to uh, let yeah. Draco, like, wake me Just, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wake up. <laughs> uh, Katie Beth asks, uh, "Just what, what do we think of the trolley lady? Wow. That's a she good one. She has it in less nice terms, but, you know. What the fuck? <laughs> Turns into Terminator. Uh, that was probably, like, the biggest surprise of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I, I didn't dislike it. I know a lot of people like were like, what the fuck is this? But I I thought it was interesting, I guess. I mean, it, I guess she's more of a, a magical creature than just like an old lady then. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was a nice throwback that the people that she talked about trying to jump off the train were like mm-hmm. serious, Fred and George. Like, you're like, of course they tried to escape the train. Oh, yeah, yeah. I kept thinking, like, okay, this is hardcore. This is interesting. I didn't dislike it. It was just weird to me. But I kept thinking, like, we already know that, like, the chocolate candies, like, the little chocolate frogs, like, can gain some kind of semblance of sentience. Like, <laughs> yeah. shouldn't she just be right. like, throwing, like, a paragon of, like, magical chocolate animals at them? You know, like, chocolate tigers now coming after your ass rather she than should- her morphing yeah, yeah, into yeah. hand spikes? Yeah, the, the, she should have had more magic than just the spikes. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, it was yeah. like like T one thousand kind of. Vibe. <laughs> I wonder how they did that. Like some of this stuff, like how do they do the underwater scenes? Is what I really want to know. How do you do underwater in a play? Yeah. So I had a question because I don't think this was in the movie. What's up with Ludo Bagman? Is that a real character in Goblet of Fire? Uh, yes. If you'd read the book, you'd know that. Oh yeah, there you go. He- he is. He's a real character. I forgot he's not in the movies. Um, Ludo Bagman is a real character. He, actually, he's a huge part of mm-hmm. book four. Um, yeah, I thought he was. I, I, <laughs> I guess he's. I guess he serves as the same kind of character as whoever's announcing the Quidditch matches in the original books, where he's just sort of setting the stage for mm-hmm. you for the action around you. But yeah, no, he's a real guy. I wonder if it's something where like the performance is just kind of funny. Like if he just had like a, a, a real gregarious guy doing it, it's kind of just sure. him saying those lines works in the room, but it might not translate. Like just right. the goofy puns guy. I mean, I'm trying to remember what one of the lines is, is like, don't damage our diggery, Mr. Dragon. Yeah, I'm there's like, a, lot of, there's a, I'm lot like of a real actor said this. 
200 pounds, two nights of a play, a real actor came back and said this. <laughs> yeah, it probably does work in the theater. He's probably like a King George kind of character from Hamilton, just like yeah. a comic relief guy. Okay. Uh, we have one from Dementia here. Um, do you agree that the story stifled the voice and agency of its female characters? Um, I don't, I mean, I think to think that you would probably be giving the original series more credit than it deserves in terms of female characters. <laughs> and, you know, Harry Potter is my all time favorite book series, but there aren't a lot of great female characters. Like Hermione obviously is great and McGonagall is great and Luna's cool. And so is Mrs. Um, Weasley. But I mean, the character, the books are very male centric. Like it's very much about. Harry and his relationship with his dad and his relationship with Sirius and his relationship with Dumbledore. I think for me, my main complaint in terms of like agency, like I said, is just Jenny not ever getting to do anything and then like shrill Hermione from the mm. darkest timeline. But I really don't think the books are that, I don't think this play is that different than the books in terms of like any involvement of female characters. Right. Yeah. I think the main thing that sticks out is especially the implication that Hermione would just turn into this shrew because she didn't get married basically. Right. You know? Right. Well, or it, that like Ron's the only person that wants to marry Hermione Granger. Yeah, I'm no. so Bullshit. sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think even Draco wanted to marry Hermione. Absolutely. Um, I just you know there's the economy of, of characters. I would have liked to see more of Hermione everywhere and and more utilized. But at the same time, I think like she's a minister of magic. I'm sure she can delegate. I'm sure she, you would think that she would surround herself with like talented, capable people who are remotely on her level, not her top magic cop who can't keep his desk clean. <laughs> See, that um, to me is where it felt like they were still like 18. Like I didn't, I like the idea of Hermione becoming the minister for magic. She didn't necessarily feel like a chief of state to me. Yeah. Like when she like calls like the conference it felt very much like a student council meeting to me. Like, yeah. hey, everyone, settle down. We need to talk. Also, they just dump that. She just dumps that information out. Like, P.S. Voldemort's probably back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, how? How? I'm I'm Joe Magic. Like on the street, you know. How the fuck am I fighting? Am I turning on like magical CNN? And this, like, an owl is delivering this to me. Is it on like the the GIF newspaper? Like, is this like a press conference or is like you said, is it just a student council meeting? Um, yeah. Also, so Ron's history is that he was like a magic cop for like a year or two and then quit to run a joke shop. Right. To help out and, with Fred or George's. No, and George's to then shop. later send his nephew a love potion. <laughs> a lot of complaints yeah. I saw about that online about he would never send a love potion because of his bad experience. <laughs> Oh, I just said it's weird. Yeah. I mean, is Ron Weasley really a guy that learns a lot of lessons? I don't think so. I think, I think Ron would absolutely send a love potion to his nephew. He'd probably just yeah. include a note, like, don't don't let this sit, you know, use it right away or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Eight years of school, kids. I didn't learn to read, or write, do math. Basic math. Certainly didn't learn any life lessons. That's your mom, though. That's pretty great. <laughs> Paolo asks, uh, any characters we wish they had featured, like any broader Harry Potter characters that didn't make it in? Didn't they use almost? I would have loved to see Luna. And oh, we yeah. really did we didn't see Neville. Like we heard about the legacy of Neville, which was awesome, but I I, I kinda would have liked to see Neville and Luna. Yeah. But I think Lupin and Tonks and uh Teddy 
like what happened to Teddy? I guess is yeah, I guess was... maybe he graduated by that point. Well, like they even have a rehash of the the scene of Hagrid coming to collect Harry, right from mm-hmm. the Jerseys on that like horrible vacation island or whatever. I was like. I can't believe I'm seeing this. <laughs> yeah, at th- there were two scenes at the end that were just like word for word dialogue from the first book. Yeah. What do you think of Harry having to like experience in real time actually being there his parents getting murdered? I thought it was effective and I I'm one of those people I think a lot of people really hated um at the last book where um his parents and Lupin come back and Sirius and they're like sort of guide him into the forest cuz they're like Oh, he's already seen his parents so many times. Who cares? Like people hated but, that. Yeah, people wow. really didn't like it. But I, I actually, find, I find it very affecting for me because I think the, the trauma of his parents' death is something that lives so actively in his life. It's obviously something that is that it traumatizes him every day of his life, even into adulthood. So I thought it was um, so much of Harry Potter is the, you know, like it's like the core of the story. Yeah, and I think that like part of the part of the thing that Harry has a hard time understanding about Dumbledore is the part where you let bad things happen to people that you love, but you know that you have to do it for the greater good. And I think he really struggles with that. So then to see him having to make the ultimate sacrifice of watching the ultimate bad guy do the thing that's going to destroy his life the most and letting it happen anyway because it's for the good of the wizarding world puts him in a position of like Dumbledore in a way that he wouldn't have been otherwise. And I think that's just like a very affecting thing to see. Like uh, Harry Potter and the last temptation of Harry Potter. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yes. But I mean, there's an interesting thing with like the Snape and the age of apocalypse, darkest mirror verse, where it's like, would you sacrifice your world knowing there's a better one out there? And that would have been the point, like you said, for Harry to accept. Like, I, I guess I almost wanted them to hit it home even more. Like, right. Some things, some details shouldn't be changed. Right. You know, this is who I who I am. This is who all of you are. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't resist more in the moment. At least I don't recall him really doing that. You know, like nobody had to like talk him out of it. I don't think. Uh, yeah, like they were even try- like they were trying to talk him out of watching it, and he was like, "No, yeah. I should I should see this." Um, I'm into yeah. it. I did think it was very bizarre how quickly Snape accepted the reality of we're in, we're in the darkest timeline. <laughs> I've come from another place. Here's your whole thing. And Snape's like, all right, that sounds legit. Yeah. Maybe Snape is like a huge X-Men fan. And so like, maybe so he was ready for this. That makes sense. He's, he's yeah. like, fuck this place. Yeah. He's like Spock reading his X-Men comics. And he just he's like, I've done the calculations. This <laughs> checks out. Snape's like the only guy at Hogwarts that can do math. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Defense against the dark, dark arts and algebra. <laughs> That's what it Basic algebra. Well, I wonder if in that timeline Harry had died. I wonder if that made Snape like loosen up a little afterwards. Maybe, maybe, maybe so. I can finally unclench. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that covers most of our questions there. Uh, yeah, Michelle wanted us to appreciate Snape's sass. Sna- I'm sorry, Snape's sass in the alternate timeline. I think we definitely did. Yeah. Yes. And they all got to have the just like baller, like final stands, you know, getting killed by the Dementors and having their souls sucked out. Like that would definitely play pretty horrific, you know, like alternate timeline wise. I, I think this play sounds terrifying. If I were a child and I were in the audience and they're like, here comes Voldemort down to the crowd or the Dementors are like going through the crowd. I would have a heart attack as a little kid if that were happening. <laughs> 
Wasn't it also like five hours long? Yeah, I think it's, I have a friend who saw it and she said it was, and she loves theater and she said it was so long. (laughs) Well, so it's basically like two and a half hours each night, right? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like this, like all of the darkest Aria fashion all combined (laughs) into one more, I mean, literally Delphine's thing is, I can guess feathers, lots of feathers. Um, (laughs) But I I just, I like that in this world where every single person is basically a Death Eater and here's Hermione Granger, like the most hated rebel of all time. And then here's Ron, the guy standing next to the most hated rebel of all time. (laughs) (sighs) He's like, like in every timeline, Ron's thing is being just consequential enough. Like in every timeline, no matter how old he is. Yeah. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Do you want to do our uh, character rankings? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll start with my number 10, which is Harry. I was not a big fan of Harry in this. I felt like he was just kind of a dick the whole time. So Harry gets my low ranking. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, My number 10 is actually the trolley witch. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I... I just found her so interesting. I mean, like, like the character you you probably is the farthest from your mind if you just think about Harry Potter at all. And here's this totally bizarre thing. So that's how she kind of you know morphed her way like T one thousand onto my power rankings. Um, I put Jenny as number ten, which is a huge disappointment. But mm. I thought she was just, uh, just like as boring as movie Jenny, and I didn't I didn't love her at all, which is sad. Jenny's so cool in the books. I know. She's so great. And like secretly, like where it's because you're filtered through Harry's perspective, it's like you just kind of start to notice along with him. Like, hey, she's pretty cool. She's Mm. so powerful and so charismatic. I love you book, Jenny. Rest in peace. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. I think it's my turn again. Uh, My number nine was a uh, non-alternate Hermione. I didn't like her yelling at McGonagall. And uh, I don't know. I feel like she, I wasn't a big, like I said, I wasn't a big fan of the, the, the power trio in the future. So she gets number nine for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my number nine is the portrait of Dumbledore. I, uh, I guess I just really appreciated that scene. I Again, I started fascinated over like the essence of Dumbledore that resides in there. And they're like, it's a little ambiguous. Painted memory. <laughs> yeah. Um, my number nine is Madame Hooch because she's literally just still doing the exact same thing she was doing in the very first Harry Potter book, like 25 years later. Yep. Oh. Also, her name's Hooch. Hooch. Well, and how old Hooch. would McGonagall be at this point? I mean, how badass is McGonagall? She's been the headmistress now for like 25 years. She's... <laughs> I hope the universe never finds Maggie Smith and dares take her away from us. No, don't do it. Uh, My number eight was Ron. Uh, I felt like Ron came off the best of the power trio. He was a doofus as usual, but I didn't feel like he was that out of character. He seemed mostly like Ron. I, um, oddly enough, I actually have Ron at eight as well, just because I thought the kids have survived long enough. If he's like basically a stay-at-home dad, the kids have survived long enough to to get to school. Ron hasn't walked down the street and like a, a ladder hasn't fallen and hit him on the head. <laughs> and seemingly he's not like 
sexting girls while fathering or anything. Like he still managed to. <laughs> Ron you know, is Anthony Weiner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so I guess that's the best you can do, Ron. Good on you. Yeah, Ron's my number eight too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just all right. Like he's just he's just he's holding it down. He's yeah. just being, he's just being Ron. Like decades later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number seven was Amos, and maybe I should have put him lower. Like, what the fuck, Amos? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's sad that your son died, but I don't know. I feel like he's a little selfish. Doesn't doesn't Cedric's dad just have like crazy fucking hair in the fourth movie? Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I almost want to put that on there. No, uh, and he's like a dick too, isn't he? Like, he's kind of like pompous. My son. Yeah. Well, like yeah. when they first meet, is it like? Him and uh, Cedric do their like little like bicycle kick landing thing to like show. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to take him seriously. Plus, you got that that hair. Yeah. Um, my number seven is actually Headmistress McGonagall. I uh, I don't know why. I just was like surprised to see her and pleased. I love the fucking scene where she's got the map and she's just like, huh? It disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care that much. This is this is bullshit anyway. I'm I'm gonna go morph into a cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, my number seven is Harry, and I I was like tor- I was torn about Harry because he was sort of rehashing his Order of the Phoenix Harry thing, um, and he seems a little too old for that. But I've never had kids, so I don't really know. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would guess that it would make him. He seemed in character, but also he just seemed like really immature for a 40 year old guy. Yeah. 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 I had a Rose at six. Um, she didn't really have much to do, but I like Rose. I think there, you could imagine the Rose is off doing like really cool stuff a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like that should be, there should be a thing at Hogwarts where like, you know, now you go to school and you have to do your regular bullshit schoolwork, but also you might have a big report at the end of the year. But like at Hogwarts, it should be like, you have to fight an ancient enemy <laughs> all on your own. If you're a little small clique of outsiders. Um, my number six is Delphi. I, I liked her initial scenes. Uh, I am very intrigued by any character who can basically fiddle with the universe to like get their way um, to find like belonging like Harry was, but you know, it was still pretty clear from the beginning who she was going to be. And she wasn't given a lot of scenes to, I felt to prop that up to make her more of a character, but right. I feel like a performance there probably could have like made me love her even more. If, if I sure. said it, that makes sense. Uh, my number six is Draco. I thought that, like Draco is, it makes sense that he's had such a tragic life. He's a very tragic character. He's very Shakespearean, and um, but he was—he seems like he actually has grown as a man. Like he's grown and he's learned, and he's suffered and he's learned from that. And he, Scorpius, does not seem like the kind of son that Draco Malfoy would be proud of. But he loves him so much, and he wants what's best for him, and he wants to bond with him. And he, he's a, I mean, Draco's a better dad than Harry Potter, which is yeah. a crazy thing to say. Yeah. Um, but I really, I, I felt like this Draco jived with the book six Draco when we see him crying in the mirror and he's letting the Death Eaters in and he's so worried about his family. It makes sense. His character just made a lot of sense for me. And I thought he showed a lot of character and a lot of like courage and conviction. Yeah, I agree. I actually, I feel bad not having Draco on my list now because, yeah, he seems like he'd actually matured, whereas Harry didn't really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's me next. Yeah, you're next. Uh, number five is I have uh, just alternate like Age of Apocalypse Ron and Hermione. I like them. <laughs> like I, I could just totally picture Hermione as like a badass with like I don't know like her hair and a scarf or something like that. Just just all wild and crazy. I'm surprised they didn't go like further and like have her like have an eye patch. And yes. Cool <laughs> story to go with that eye patch. Oh, you give that to Ron and he'd basically just be the Xander. You know? Yeah. Oh, he wishes. <laughs> he wishes Nathan Fillion would show up and be like, you're the one who sees things, aren't you? <laughs> um, yeah, my my number five is actually Ginny. Not because like like incredible services done where like i feel like it's again it's a thing i'm i'm just hoping there's a great performance there because i think it's interesting that there's a point where they're actually she's counseling her husband about his midlife crisis their child is trapped in the past and in a way her husband is trapped in the past um and like they're just sitting there at one point like like talking about dreams and like literally waiting to see if their existence is like erased from history (laughs) and i just thought like that is such a unique spin on like an ingmar bergman film or something you know like But so I, I don't know. I I, I kind of like those larger implications of her. Um, and of course, unfortunately, all I have is the uh, the movie Jenny. Um, that's my timeline, I guess. That I'm, mm-hmm. I'm- <laughs> truly the darkest Jenny timeline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number five is Dumbledore because I think that um, the like you guys are saying, the essence of Dumbledore in a painting is a really fascinating thing because. Dumbledore is a person who never really understood his limitations. Like he really thought he was a limitless guy. And so here he is grappling with how to express wisdom and love. And for the first time we've ever seen him confined in a way that he is, um, he's not a powerful guy. He's just like painting on a, on a canvas. His like the most agency Dumbledore has, like the most Machiavellian character in children's literature <laughs> the most agency he has is he can move from like picture frame to picture frame so watching him in that way still find a way to be powerful and still find a way to express you know so much love and impart so much wisdom to harry was pretty inspiring no frame can hold me yeah well, it's like <laughs> it's like the only move he can make is to leave really. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah uh let's see number four i have uh, albus potter I uh, did not like Albus as much as Scorpius. I mean, he was fun, but I felt like he was a little, I don't know, maybe if I was younger, I'd have more empathy for him. But it's like, dude, your life's not that bad. Right. Uh, my number four is actually a tie between Hermione, who gets the bulk of my number four slot, and then actually Albus in the rear, just because there's like a carousel for me on on angsty child stories of like at what point I, I latch on, I empathize with them. And Albus's thing was basically just that he wasn't he wasn't understood by his father, which I started to get. And then he's basically saying, like, why don't I have some grand adventure <laughs> to go on to? And well, he's a classic know. middle child. Yeah. And exactly. I am not a middle child, so maybe that's why I can't empathize. Yeah, I don't know. I just there's there's in his own way, there's as much pain. I mean, not as much pain as Scorpius, but I mean there's pain there. And I think that's how the two of them bond, but it's like for some reason, I love Scorpius so much, and Albus. I'm just like, just let, just let Scorpius tell you what to do. Just, <laughs> just let him be your Draco and Hermione combined. Come on. <laughs> while while telling you in this like like beautiful language how wonderful you are and what, how much you mean to him. Yeah. So, 
My number four is Rose because I think that Rose is a character that makes perfect sense. If you have a mother who is Hermione Granger and is driven and successful and smart and compassionate and emotionally intelligent, and then you have a dad who doesn't put so much pressure on you and also just likes to have a good time, and you go to Hogwarts with like that environment that you grew up in and the genes of Hermione Granger, of course you would be Rose. Like <laughs> you, you would be that confident and you would be that secure and you would know that there was nothing that you couldn't do. And, uh, I just, she was like Hermione without any of Hermione's insecurities. And I thought that was a, I'm not sure that'd be a fun thing to follow, like from a first person point of view, but it was fun to watch kind of from a distance that that's what Hermione and Ron brought into the world. Well, like you, you know that she'll be minister someday. Oh yeah, absolutely. If, if uh, she allows herself to be limited. Yeah, yeah. what's higher than minister? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. If she well, if she said she'll be minister for magic, and she doesn't have Albus's uh, angst and like sense of legacy about Harry Potter, you know, because she's not, you know, I mean, she's is she no, I guess she's not really related, um, not by blood, but yeah. She's not, uh, she doesn't have that hanging over her head. You know, her, her mom, Hermione is obviously awesome, but it's not Harry Potter, the chosen one. So wouldn't they be related? Wouldn't they be cousins? Yeah, but not by blood, but by marriage. I think if okay. my math works out on that. Yeah. It's like Albus is like, God damn it. They're staring at us again. And Rose is like, of course they're staring at us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I was just waiting for her to be like, Hey Albus, have you tried, I don't know, getting over it. <laughs> have you tried that? You should try that. You don't even need a spell. Here's an idea. So my number three, I have Delphi. I don't know if this is entirely justified because I made half this list like a week ago. Um, I do like the idea of her. I like that she is an indeterminate, like, young 20s, it seems like. Like, just that kind of age where she's kind of like the older cool person that they would, like, want to do stuff for. I like that kind of vibe of it. Um. Well, I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, obviously, when I was a teenager, I broke into a government office with the older, cool girl I wanted <laughs> to impress. And I was like, you know, a really impressive is when I make out with my aunt. Yeah, <laughs> getting it. <laughs> older chicks like that. Um, what is this, number number three? Number my number three, three is is Harry Potter. Um, I like that our our angsty main character of this this beloved children's series has grown up to be kind of, you know, stuck in the past, kind of a jerk at times, like kind of really putting his issues at the forefront at times when it's justified, when it's not justified. I, I was going to make a joke here and I needed to add in some titles because I, uh, in case there's any conservative members of the audience, it's like if I put it, made a note that it's like if president Hillary Clinton had to go down to the FBI to tell the head of the FBI to clean his fucking desk. <laughs> I started to write if Hillary had to go down to the FBI and I thought, oh, somebody's going to cheat. But like, yeah, if President Hillary Clinton had to go down and tell top cop, clean your fucking desk. I was just like, that's that's just Harry. God damn it. You know. Just so Harry. Uh, McGonagall is my number three because she's 81 years old in this play. (laughs) She's 81. She's been like headmistress for 20 years or something. And she's just moving around still like she is. 25 years old and she's still sharp and she's still in charge and she's still unapologetic about how fierce she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she, she has, I think a soft spot for the trio still, but like when she's had it with them, she still had it with them and she puts her foot down. And I, I just, 
I know we'll never really know if McGonagall <laughs> was as powerful as Dumbledore, but I kind of think that she, I kind of think that she is. The only thing I would have added for her is if like, uh, if they hadn't been so like, like, I don't know, brusque with her and like, like shitty to her at times, like the, the older trio, like right. if Hermione had actually done something like cool, I would have loved McGonagall just to have been like 20 points for Gryffindor. She should have taken, <laughs> she should have taken some points from Harry. Yeah, I also, seriously. I also love how hard it is still for her not to be like a Gryffindor go like just like hardcore Gryffindor. Even when she's talking about Quidditch and she says something like it'll be something for us, and then she realizes she has to say for Gryffindor or whatever yeah, yeah, because yeah. she's still such a homer. Yeah. Uh, I had Snape at number two. Um, I know some people are like upset that his characterization was different, but I'll, it's alternate Snape. I'll buy it. I thought he was fun. I thought he was. It's like, you know, how like when Magneto can be a good guy in an alternate timeline type of vibe. Well, um, my question is, is he really that different in his characterization? I think for me, he just is less skeptical. But you mm-hmm. actually, when you said he would be a different person when Harry died, I completely, I hadn't thought okay. of it. But I'm like, yeah, that actually makes perfect sense. His chip, his whole thing, his chip on his shoulder the whole time was Harry. And if Harry were gone, I do think he would be a different person. Mm. I wonder, like, would he be relieved would he also like? Would his like Lily guilt compound in a way? You know what I mean, right? Like, would he have like the Lily and James Potter's like in his head, like just going off in like overdrive? I don't know. Well, I guess he doesn't have the the physical embodiment of his worst enemy. You know, uh, the spawn of his worst enemy confronting him constantly. You know, so that emotion is True. gone, and he can—he's free to like feel all those emotions that he was like resisting before. Mm. Right. If Harry had showed up to Hogwarts looking like Lily and being a little bit humble, I think that he would have had a completely different relationship with him. But he shows up looking like James and acting <laughs> like uh, entitled. Like, I'm, I'm glad that that, that partially. <laughs> he doesn't look like Lily, so that Snape can have a different relationship with him. No, you're right. You're right. What I if he? What if he showed up looking like Snape? Oh man. Whoa. Whoa. That's got to be a fan fiction. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, poor Snape. But yeah, I liked him. I thought he was fun. Yeah. Um, my number two is Draco. Um, because Harry's kind of shitty, like Draco just looks kind of cooler in regard. And I I like this. this I like the fact that they don't ever address uh, – they obviously don't need to. Or they don't feel like they should even like, – give it the respect it deserves, but the, the rumor of Voldemort being Scorpius's dad, and he's just even more of like this asshole Malfoy, but at the same time, still not as shitty as his own dad. Way. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, he's the one who, who like has to like lay some wisdom on Harry Potter about, you know, with our, we don't like raise our kids like with the shit that we want them to be like, they're, they're going to be their own people. Yeah. Also um, shout out to a story of Greengrass there. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, my number two is Hermione because I – it's not fair, but I'm just thinking of her what it takes for a woman to become Minister for Magic and especially a woman uh, who has to deal with Harry and Ron all the time. And I just have <laughs> like a deep, a deep respect. And I think that um, my friend Tammy who saw this play said that the characterization of Hermione – was really brusque and kind of aggressive and rough in a way that she didn't like. And I was afraid that would come across in the reading of it, but I thought Hermione in the reading did seem in character. And I also like, 
one of the things that Hermione often struggled with was having power and compassion. And she seems to have both of those things in this play. And I just can't not rank her that high. I'm sorry. Imagine the like Donald Trump analog that Hermione had to run against to be master right. for magic. Ex- exactly. And I know that exists, like, even though I can't see it. And so I'm mm-hmm. just going to infuse that into my power. Oh, it's, it's interesting because didn't she say like months ago that like a lot of Trump, you know, and Hermione went to like, parts of Voldemort and then you think about Hillary's a breath away from finally being president it's a very and then of course you had the timeline where they go back to like back to the future part two there Scorpius goes back to back to the future part two where Trump is alive again <laughs> right yeah. right um I I I tell you the character that I that's in this that I really wish we'd never saw was of course Umbridge man she's the worst but, her very presence. She just like has to walk on stage and you're just like, shut her. This is a dark timeline, you know? Isn't it like the the visceral reaction I have to Umbridge is so much more than it is to Voldemort. Like she oh, yeah. repulses yeah. and repels me in a way that no character ever has because it just feels so real. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a way where you could look at a mugshot of a guy with a scraggly beard and like maybe he's got a scar on his face and he's got like white power etched on his head and there's still something more dark and insidious about like Brock Turner. Right, yeah, exactly. Clean cut. Like yeah. she's got her like pink power suit and there's kittens on the plates on her yeah. wall. Um, yeah, like it seems innocuous, but actually it is the most insidious. Yeah. It's the way she used her power for such evil purpose you know like banal evil yeah. right yeah on bridge uh my number one a I happier think, note yes. I, I think we all have number one scorpius yep. uh, scorpius was just like such a cool chill guy <laughs> like it's it's almost surprising that him and albus became friends originally because albus is so like wound up and scorpius is just like just having a good time and happy and you know, even even though everybody hates him, just like because of the stupid rumors and whatnot, like he just seems like a totally fun guy. Yeah, he also sort of subverts the tortured nerd stereotype mm-hmm. because he is a nerd and he knows he's this geeky guy who is really into studying and he likes puns and he's really you know, but he embraces that and he knows that that is who he is. And while he like struggles a little bit socially, it's not because he's a nerd; it's because there are the rumors about him. Um, being Voldemort's son, which is a great parallel between Harry being like the heir Slytherin or whatever. But I also think what's great about him is he is so um, he is so compassionate and uh, he just has so much love to have come from such a heartbreaking situation. Uh, and I just I, he's just one of my all time favorite book characters ever in history. And and I just love him so much. I think when I when I first started reading this, my my go to place was like okay, like throw a choker on Albus and he'll become Ryan, and like Scorpius will become like Seth Cohen, you know, just on like an alt rock soundtrack. But then <laughs> I think one of the things that bothered me about Seth Cohen over the course of the OC is that he tried to become more Ryan per se. Right. And right. I think I, what I like about Scorpius is that he's just who he is, right? You know, and. He's aware of the crosses he has to bear, but that's his thing, man. Like, he's not going to pound his fist on the table and yell about his dad all the time. And then, you know, like like Draco has these like kind of quiet resentment. You know, I wish my son wasn't such a follower. And it's like, but he is. And that's who he is. And there's special things there. Yeah, I, I like Scorpius a lot. I think it's interesting that you're seeing a lot of press talking about the actor playing him. Um, and I wonder, like, does the actor playing Albus just like... 
go to his own dark Slytherin place place when he does that. Well, I mean, it seems like the best role to me. Like, yeah, you know, pick a role to play. It seems like he's got a lot. I mean, Albus has a lot of angst and whatnot, but Scorpius, I feel like you get to have the most fun there. Mm-hmm. He's he's so well adjusted for all of the things that plague the original trio are things that could have plagued this kid, mm-hmm. but he is well-adjusted despite it, despite losing a parent, despite the pressures of his father, despite his family name, despite not living up to his family name, like all of the, not being particularly great at social stuff, like all the stuff that plagued Ron and Hermione and Harry are things that could have really bothered this guy, but he's just like, he has perspective in a way that you don't expect from like a, mm-hmm. any anyone, particularly a teenager. Well, it's like it's like none of that stuff bothers him. He feels bad that it bothers other people, you know. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and I think you know, as it goes on, you're sure it bothers him, but you know, the way he handles it, the way he processes it, is much more interesting, just because it's not so external at the times. I think. Yeah, he's definitely one of the most emotionally healthy characters in the entire yeah. series. Yeah. I wonder what a book from his perspective would be like. I'm not sure he had. I'm not sure he's angsty enough. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> like the real driver of the action in this is like Albus's angst. Yeah. Well, it makes yeah, me think, like, if if him and Rose did get together, what kind of crazy power couple would that be? Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, because they're they're both just so self assured. It seems like. Well. Scorpius, who's number one, already a Malfoy, so that's got to be hard. Right. Most people are 99% convinced he's Voldemort's son. <laughs> um, and then on top of it, his mom dies, and he's still, like, eternally chill about things. Yeah, I, that kind of, like, I don't know, self-togetherness has got to creep out a lot of people. Never mind I, the fact his, like, uh, 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 what do they call from Game of Thrones? You know what I'm talking about. This platinum blonde weirdo hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I, the reason that I love the idea of Scorpius and Albus as a couple is because I think it's the ultimate comeuppance for Draco and Harry. <laughs> yeah. Like your sons are in love with each other. Now what? <laughs> you know, I just think it's like, they also, deserve it. They wasn't deserve it, it that like mortal instruments story that started off as Draco, Harry, like slash fic? I think so. Right. Yeah. Right. Hence yeah. the with girl Hermione became Clary. Too, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just think I think it's I don't know in your face like writer of Mortal Instruments here's Harry Potter <laughs> and the Cursed Child taking it back because <laughs> yeah I mean I, when I'm halfway through the story I was like you know if these two end up together I would not be shocked no mm-hmm. um, well I think they probably do you know yeah they hey probably. whoa and that's the, the interesting thing about the story because there's like the idea of when is the past over right. What point? What happened? Mm-hmm. Is, is it a happy ending? Because we said the end here. If it keeps going, is it no longer a happy ending? You know, yeah. When we leave them, are they at the end of their fourth year or sometime in their fourth year? Is that when this gets resolved? I think it's fourth year. I I think it's the beginning of fourth year, if I'm not totally mistaken. Holy cats! Can you imagine Harry Potter, the character, being this evolved in the <laughs> Goblet of Fire, as evolved as these guys <laughs> are? No way. <laughs> Oh, Harry and Goblet of Fire is just like, oh, I have this huge thing I need to worry about. I'll just ignore it. Right. I'll do Yeah. <laughs> God, stop nagging me, Hermione. I'm really more interested in growing my hair out. Right. Right. 
Um, I, just a side note, I thought it was interesting because obviously there's like 40-something speaking roles in this play. So obviously they're going to have to double up on some of the actors or triple up. I thought it was just interesting. I would love to see this play for a lot of reasons. But the fact that the same guy plays Snape, Voldemort, and Uncle Vernon <laughs> is interesting to me. The same woman plays Aunt Petunia, Madame Hooch, and Dolores Umbridge. Um, and the same guy who plays Dudley also plays Victor Crumb. Great. <laughs> also, young young Hermione is also Rose. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do wonder what some of this stuff would look like as a play. I mean, I've, I've read that it's, like, very technically impressive, so I'm sure it's pretty cool. Well, and, like, I wonder, is, like, is that is that some of the John Tiffany angle? Like, hey, John, we're thinking about doing this crazy kitchen fight where everything is going to be levitated. You think that's <laughs> even possible? He's like, yeah, I can do that. Awesome. Sure, sure. Just don't don't kill any stuntmen like in the that Spider-Man one. Oh we're, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Any final thoughts? I'm glad I read this book. I I was nervous about it, but um, I thought it was definitely time well spent. It was good to revisit the world, and um, it doesn't mess with my imagination in terms of when I go back and read the other books. I don't think it will change anything. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm glad that it exists. I don't need another book, but I am glad that this, I'm glad that this one is in the world. I, I enjoyed this. I was surprised as I was reading it, how much I was enjoying it, how much, you know, every time I set it down to go do some real life, I was looking forward to picking it back up again. Um, I can't say that I would be upset if like another play came along or something in a few years or if some way this universe continued, uh, maybe not with the same characters or the same perspective. But yeah, I, 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 it feels just inherently minor compared to the rest of the books, but I did enjoy it. So I'm glad it exists. Yeah, I guess my, my personal headcanon for this is that all the Albus and Scorpius relationship stuff is real and maybe their time travel adventures are perhaps exaggerated or I, I'm just, you know, trying to think, cause I, I, it's hard for me to think of it as like, this is the next chapter in the story. It's kind of more like, here's just a fun thing. And I like these young characters and maybe they would have like thought this up. Um, I don't know. I'm pedantic like that, but yeah, I, I think it is a fun trip back. If you don't think too hard about, you know, how, how come, you could use Alohomora to open up Hermione's door in her office, you know, stuff like that, you know, right. You don't, you don't focus too hard on the, the technical side. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yep. Thank you for joining us, Heather. That was a lot of fun. Oh, my, my pleasure. Thanks guys. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm. All right. Have Bye. a good one. Bye-bye. 